So, Tom, I was looking at your IMDb, and you have been a part of a lot of different projects, a lot of different films. So not only that, you're in commercial production. You have been uh, an AC. You have been a loader. You have been a cinematographer, a producer. You have... Uh, gaffer. Gaffer, yes, mm -hmm. of course. You have a rental company. Yep. And uh, what, is there anything you don't do? Maybe that's the question I should uh, ask. I don't do hair. <laughs> Uh, but I actually, that's well, probably, probably not could. true. I, I have a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely applied hairspray in windy conditions. Uh. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've been doing this a long time and we were um, just saying 33 years, 33 years was my first paid gig. Yep. 1991, uh, on the movie judgment night, okay. uh, which came through Chicago and, uh, Great soundtrack, great movie. If you haven't seen it, Jeremy Piven, Dennis Leary, Cuba Gooding Jr., Stephen Dorff, uh, and it's like a. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was my first job. Um, Nineteen ninety-one. I was eighteen years old, wow. and um, that's a crazy story. How that? What, what were you doing? Yeah. That? So that was my foot in the door gig. Yep. I was uh, a, a locations production assistant. Okay. So specifically with the locations department. And it was okay. a night movie. <clears throat> Everything was at shot at night. And uh <laughs> which leads me to another story. After that, I was like, I'm never doing a movie with the word night in it ever again. <laughs> 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 and so then I got a call several years later, like, hey, this movie's coming to town called Dark Night. You wanna work? No, call someone else. Dark night? <laughs> no. Are you serious? Gosh. Yeah, actually, I am serious. Um, wow. But it's I was a Christopher kind of, Nolan film. I don't know. I, who I, this I guy, don't know who that guy is. I don't care. I'm not doing any movies with the word the night in it. Screw that guy. <laughs> that is actually a true story. Um, oh, legit? Yeah. Yeah. What, what year was that filmed? Oh, I don't even remember. There was, there was a lot going on. That it came out two thousand five. I remember. Yeah, it was, it was like probably two thousand three. IMAX. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah. Wow. Night, night movies with the night word night in it means it's all shot at night. So yeah. yeah. If you are nocturnal, go for it. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that was my first my first break. You know, foot in the door, if you will, was um was the movie Judgment Night. I was a location PA. They had just come out with cell phones, like the flip phone, the Motorola okay, yeah. flip phone. And I was like given one by production. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, I got a phone. I'm like calling on my friends, like Don't on have their to landlines. Plug it into the wall. I'm calling you from my cell phone. <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, I learned a lot about, you know, how movies are put together because locations department is one of the first departments hired on so they are you know we're trying to find all these places to film all these uh scenes and so you have to read the script and understand what they're looking for and yeah. if they need a railroad yard you need to show five railroad yards and then mm. when they pick the one they like you have to convince the owners to give you access and permission yeah. to so you're, show, you're showing them locations before you you like got them to sign out or like be like yes well i was the pa so there were two uh very experienced location managers uh one from la a great dude named Ira Rosenstein. He's done. A, look him up on IMDb. He's got a, quite a list, and um, so he was kind of like my boss. And you know, he they were doing all the real negotiating, and I was kind of the errand boy. So I'd like run a check to the alderman, and you know, 
pay off this gangster. Yeah. Oh, it's Chicago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are not even kidding. Because, okay, if you've seen the movie, it was filmed at uh, a housing project in um, the River North area, like Rockwell. I think it was called Rockwell Gardens. And uh, it was under construction at the time. So it was mostly First off, can, are you okay to tell the story and still be yeah. like work in Chicago? Will you be alive? Uh, <laughs> this is kind of how Chicago works. So I'm pretty sure it's okay. So we're we're at, we're on this housing project, and it was obviously gang territory, and so we had to like negotiate with the local gangs to say, wow. "Can you not, you know, shoot at us while we're filming or whatever?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, as long as you hire us for security." So we had <laughs> all these gang members basically posted out on the corners wow. of the. So we filmed there for like a month. And, and given the year, this was Capone's guys, or this was uh, <laughs> a little like, I'm just trying to gauge. I, 33 years I've been <laughs> yeah. in the business, not uh, 133 years. Uh, no, they, these guys were just, you know, this was their turf. Like, wow. we were the visitors, not the home That's team. Crazy. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a good, like, uh, initial uh, jump into the industry, huh? Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I really had no idea what I was getting into, but, yeah. um, you know, I was just grateful to have, like, a foot in the door. I yeah. always, yeah, you know, I've been a photographer since I was in sixth grade when my fantastic teacher, I'm going to shout out to Mr. Phil Block. Uh, he was like our science teacher. And then at, at the after school activities was, you know, darkroom photography, oh. yearbook photography, newspaper. And that, he was the man who put a, you know, a Canon EOS one in my hands mm. and said, look through the lens. What do you see? And that was like, you know sparks and rainbows and all that stuff coming out um and i was terrible at it but you know i loved it so i just kept doing that and so i've always known i wanted like something in that behind the lens kind of job uh the lens yeah i like that and then um when i found out that like (laughs) even as a kid like uh, even as like a 10 year old kid i thought I should call up like Campbell soup and tell them I can make their commercials. Like, wow. I just like, I think my first words were plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what really? (laughs) 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 I just like thought, you know, and then, so when I got old enough to find out that that was actually a job, like you could, there was somebody making commercials or, you know, behind the lens of, uh, I was like, Oh, I'm going to try to do that. Wow. It, that was at how old were you? Like Oh, well, so that was probably like high school when okay. I because it like before that it was it became all a little mystery. bit more tangible. Yeah. I mean yeah. I knew there was like photographers. Right. But right. I didn't know there was like cinematographers. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, I'm so, kind of I'm, but you, you grew up like south side of Chicago, is that right? And then Yeah, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Were you still living there collar. when you got your kind of first gig in the industry? Yes, was... yes. Actually, I was like homeless. I I had been kicked out of my house when I turned 18. And uh, so I was like, um, you know, I was a really bad kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, I was just work, living on the south side. Uh, I was... and. Everyone around me was fireman, paramedic, mm. cop, construction worker. Those were mm. the four allowed trades in the world. So uh, I was like, well, I'm going to be a wasn't photographer. <laughs> they were like, 
Sure. Get the hell out of here, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it, it it took a really long time for even my family, like, because it was basically when I got into the union, they're like, "Oh, that's a union job." <laughs> All right. All right, Tommy, keep it up. Good job. <laughs> they all of a sudden, they were New Yorkers? Uh, yeah, well, that, They're oh, Italians, right? You have no oh, idea. Itali- Are my, you? My Southside accent has faded drastically. <laughs> uh, you you know, whenever I go back, my brother, my sister, it's just like, whoa, that's... Really? You, yeah, it's it's a real thing. Um, so, so why do you say you were, you were a bad kid? Well, I... Truthfully, I was just 18, and as a rite of passage in our neighborhood, you, you're, you know, okay, go get out, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how, that's how my dad now. felt, and I, and I, I grew up in the country, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, of course, life is complicated and all yeah. the other things, but um, uh, truthfully, it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because yeah. I was. Um, I went to an all boys Catholic high school. I was very like programmed for college, like college, 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 college. And I was really set to go to college. And I got into some great schools that were really expensive. Um, but I ultimately like couldn't go because we just couldn't afford it. Hmm. So I was, I, you know, I couldn't go to USC. I couldn't go to Northwestern, but I was like, well, Southern Illinois has a cinematography program. So what if I go there? And Hmm. we're like, well, let's see. And then basically we couldn't afford it. So I was kind of like, go get a job. Yeah. And, um, so (laughs) I was like on my way to UPS to get a gig, uh, loading trucks or whatever. And like right next door to UPS was this place called film products. And I'm like, wow, that's a sign. Like, I'm going to go turn in there, right? Go up to the front desk. Are you guys hiring? I'm like, oh, yeah, here, fill this out. And then I'm like, oh, cool. And I fill it out and I give it back to the lady. She's like, can you stick around for a couple minutes? I'll go get the manager. Maybe he can talk to you. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. And he's like, yeah. Um, talks to me for a minute. And then I'm like, I don't know what you guys do with film, but I know it's something to do with film. It's my foot in the door. I'm going to, I'm, this is it, man. I'm going to do this. So what did we do here exactly? <laughs> He's like, well, we vaporize aluminum and put it on the plastic and then we make potato chip bags. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm in, man. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> it's some type of film. Yeah, Maybe was, it's not celluloid, but. So <laughs> that was my first film gig, honestly. And then, um, but I still had that drive and that, um, and now again, this is before the internet. Yeah. Sure. This is before cell phones. I had a pager, which cost me like six ninety nine a month, which was like, I don't know if I can afford this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to keep like a roll of quarters in your. In Do you your... remember what pagers were, Victor? You're a little on the. I've never actually seen one in person. <laughs> right, I've I never only, had one. My I've dad seen had them one, in but... TV. And and prior to that, it was like only drug dealers had them. Really, like so. <laughs> so I was like, oh well. But anyway, um, well, it's the question I want to ask you. This is because I mean it's such a different era now, right? Truly, and. So looking at how I started, I had this just just this dream, this vision at 10 years old, and I knew I wanted to make movies. That's just like there's nothing else I could do in the world. But at that point, it was somewhat still inaccessible because I thought, okay, it's obviously who you know and that that I had in my mind. And I tried to look for opportunities, but still it was um, 
like impossible. I, I lived in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, in a town of 1,200 people. How do you get to these opportunities and in front of these people? Um, and thankfully, you know, we had commercial work. And obviously there was commercial work, not as much probably back then, but I feel like this commercial route is kind of a, a leg into into it because you're getting paid, you're you know, and it's flexible. You get to you get to create and learn at the same time. So when when you were starting out, what was in your mind? What were these different routes that you could take that would lead to this ultimate end that you wanted? Well, it started with potato chip bags, as we right. Know. Obviously, it starts with potato chip bags, and then. So then it, it's still networking and I networked within my own network. Um, and you know, I, I, my uncle is like, I think I know this guy who does, uh, industrial films. I'll give you, you know, mm, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call. And I didn't even know what industrial films were, honestly. Uh, and he, you know, and I, I'm talking while I'm working at the film products, making potato chip bags. Um, I'm hustling. I'm, I'm like after work, I'm like, Call, you know, trying to figure it out. And um, believe it or not, this is a crazy story too. Uh, my mom wrote, like she was reading the Southtown Economist and there was an article about this guy who runs this arts program on the uh, southeast side of Chicago where he raises money to give to kids to paint murals on the side of bridges. And happens to be at the end of the article, he also works in the motion picture industry as a location scout. Oh, wow. My mom wrote this guy a, like a three-page handwritten letter about oh, wow. how I've always wanted to be a filmmaker and I got accepted to these schools, but we can't afford it. And now I'm trying to like find my way into the business and yeah, nailed it to this guy. Wow. And he called me back. No and he's like, I just happened to have this movie starting up. Would you be interested in um, wow. being my PA? And I was like, and that was the movie you were talking about. What's a PA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you uh, had no formal training then at, at that point? No. Oh, well, just as a, a, a oh, so to, to backtrack a little bit more. So in high, uh, in high school, I, um, I was waiting for a friend who was in the um, newspaper staff. And so it was after school. I'm just hanging out. They're having their newspaper meeting. And I'm just like lingering in the back of the room. And on the wall was this uh, little advertisement with some pull card mail-in thing for Northwestern University's um, summer program. Okay. And um, I didn't know what it was. I had no, I was just sitting there bored with a pen in my hand. And I was like, it'd be cool to get mail, right? And again, I went to an all boys Catholic high school, college, 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 college. And yeah. um, so anyway, it just so happens as we're walking out of the building, I passed the school mailbox and I threw it in there. A week or two later, this big envelope comes with the application for the summer program at, at Northwestern. <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, it's like a college application. I should fill it out and just practice and like see yeah. how you do it. And you had to write an essay and do this stuff. And literally, I'm like typing it on a typewriter, like making mistakes, whiting it out, going back, typing it. Like wow. my, the essay, the the whole form, everything was like that. And um, I did. You know, I honestly didn't really put much thought into it at all, other than it was like a practice mm -hmm. application. 
And, um, but you had to choose one of the programs and one of the programs. So there was like speech, debate, theater, um, science and engineering. And then there was this one called RTVF. I'm like, what's that? And then it said radio, television, video, film. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, that's better than Lincoln debate. So I clicked that. (laughs) Um, I got accepted. So a couple you know, as soon as I got the acceptance letter, I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, so I was yeah. like curious, how well did I do? So I call up the 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 front desk and I'm asking them like, hey, I got accepted to the Northwestern, you know, Cherubs program. How, uh, how, how, how many people applied? How, uh, they're like, oh, about a thousand. I'm like, from Illinois? And they're like, no, from all over the world. How many got accepted? 64. Wow. I was like, damn, okay. So I'm like, how much is it? They're like, 2,500 bucks. I'm like, well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that summer it's went only on. gotten worse. Yeah, that, <laughs> that summer went on. This is my junior year in high school. As that summer goes on, I'm uh, my, my parents, my dad got remarried. Uh, my stepmom and I were not getting along. It was a long summer, and the mail keeps coming. Like, I haven't paid a dime, but they're like, see you in July, and here's where you're going to live, and bring this when you come. And I'm just like, you know, I didn't tell my parents. No, I was like definitely planning on not going because I was mm. not going to be, I don't have $2,500. Not yeah. going to happen. Well, the day, that week of, I w- we kind of got into like a heated, like teenage angst moment. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and I went. I just showed up. I brought my stuff and I just checked in like to the front desk and stayed. <laughs> really? <laughs> Nobody asked you about the money. You're just like, <laughs> no. Well, so that's an interesting part because I, f- I, there was an essay about like financial aid and, um, I, I did write a very compelling argument of why I needed it. So I felt like maybe the administrators were kind of like playing fast and loose with it just Mm. to kind of see you know if i was a troublemaker beat it but if i'm here to do it for real like we'll work it out yeah which is exactly what happened and i was surrounded by 63 of like lost souls like we were all just like wow you're like me but we're from all over the world and um and then then we're in this intensive five-week hands-on Here's a camera. Here's some film. This is how you edit. This is, you know, go make a TV show. Go make a commercial. Yeah. And uh, it was like, my mind was just blown. I was like the happiest kid for five weeks, uh, surrounded by, you know, other kids just like me. And we're all just like, wow, can you believe this? And then the staff, the the teachers and the professor that was running it uh, was another great mind. I want Robert Thompson. He w- he was a professor at Syracuse. He taught like TV and film criticism, and he just had these amazing um, presentations. And all the other staff were like working Hollywood professionals. And pretty much some of the best advice they gave us is like, "You don't need film school." Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, "Just keep doing this." And I was <laughs> like, "All right, fine." Even then, too. Huh? Yeah, that was like my junior year in high school. Okay. So after that, even my senior year, like we had prom and we had this thing in high school called one TV where it's like they 
they put TVs in every classroom and like for 20 minutes in the morning you had to like in homeroom you watched like this TV show called TV one and it was like current events news okay whatever. yeah yeah but I was like I wonder if I can show something on there that I made and so I <laughs> I paid for prom by making commercials for the limo guy, the tuxedo guy, and the florist guy. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and I'm talking literally like putting cassettes like in VHS cassette players, like shooting it with, I, I had like steal my dad's VHS shoulder camera and then like put the cassette into the vi this VCR and get another VCR and then press play and press pause right away. Like try tape to, to tape cuts. Tape to tape cuts, yep. <laughs> Wow, and uh, and then I made like the, I made this commercial for this guy Limo Bob, who is a character. Look him up. Uh, he's from the South Side, uh, Hickory Hills, and he just like thought, like this kid is exactly what I need. Yeah. I want to be famous, and he's got a camera. <laughs> so we became kind of quick, short friends, and and actually he made it to Sundance like in 2018. Uh, they made this movie about like. I wish I remember the name. Look it up. But Limo Bob, thanks, man. You gave me my first break. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I wanted to tell this story. Then you can take the take it away. Go ahead. But you know, speaking of working with Tom, I don't know if you remember this. You probably do. But I'm pretty sure it's the first time I worked with you. I showed up probably really late, like 45 minutes to an hour late. It was a McDonald's ad in like this loft situation. Okay. And do you remember this at all? <laughs> I, just, I mean, keep going. So yeah, keep going. Keep yeah. So yeah. Well, it was just yeah because I mean everybody in Chicago I feel like knows Tom pretty much like, or especially if you're like oh I'm from Rockford they're like oh do you know Tom you know so it's like yeah you you've been in out long enough like everyone is at least aware it's of a you small know, town yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's not that yeah. big of an it's industry, not that big right? yeah so I mean I had known you for years I, I used I would rent gear from you you know sporadically you know being in the same town and all that but uh i think that i'm pretty sure it was the first project that we worked together on it, i was i, I this is striking yeah. bell yeah and what did i say i i don't remember what you well actually you were i could tell you were not happy <laughs> but you said something that was not it was uh, what i remember that you said was like you um you can show up like one late once every three years. I think yeah, that's, that's what, about, the thing you said. That's to me. Yeah. I'm like, it I just, happens. I it terrible. definitely happens. I've never. I mean, I I've definitely been late. It uh, just happened to be the first time I worked with him. Like, wow, this is a great start. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. I don't really hold it against you. I I feel as like uh, I feel as like uh, someone in leadership, which in that situation I was. There has to be mention of it you yeah, know and it sure. has to be appropriate to i would i would have said something to myself i was in the other seat too well that's yeah. the other thing I've, <laughs> i i know that feeling so i've been in that situation so i know like you already are like killing yourself uh <laughs> softly and uh, it was the the terrible part about it was we like you guys we had to truck everything up the stairs of this like there was no elevator yeah so i missed that whole like load yes. Yes, yes. Some other grip on the you know project was eyeing me when I came in. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing to do in the middle of the day. It's the beginning <laughs> it's like, and the yeah, end yeah. that you really need to be oh, there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, in my defense, there was an accident on the express lanes, and I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So I was just sitting there, like watching yeah. my. Which but, is yeah. like you, but you go ahead. You go like hours early. Yeah. Sit at a coffee shop. You or mentioned something. That, like, what yeah, you do, right? I do because I've been in that situation, and it, it's unpleasant. And uh, shit happens. I mean, and I lived through the whole I ninety 
Ugh. thing. Nightmare. That was like, mm. <laughs> I look at pictures of myself in that period of life, and just like you could just see like the stress and the like mm. sleeplessness and the oh my god, what am I doing? What <laughs> yeah. am I doing? Uh, Adding these four hours of sitting in traffic to my yeah, 10, 12 Why do day. I live in Rockford? I shouldn't be here. What, so what, when did you move to Rockford? Because you were a 2001. Chicago, 2001. 2001. And met a girl, fell in love, and this is where she That'll was from. It. And I was like, I'm going where she's going, wherever that is. And uh, still married to her to this day. I basically That's came great. to visit her and never left. Just that awesome. one night, yeah. So yeah, and you're taking the traffic every week. Yeah, I did it yesterday. Worth it? Uh, <laughs> for her, yes, yes. You know, I wanted to. I thought it was so interesting because I, I love. I think it takes a certain mindset to be in this industry, and especially in filmmaking, and I, and just to be an entrepreneur, a business owner at that. Um, and I think uh, your story of how you uh, did the summer program. Um, Northwestern, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a, uh, it's, it's just something people in our industry would do. You know, you, you just, you're getting these envelopes and you're like, oh, all right, I'll go. Let's just see what happens. You know, like that's, that's the mentality that you need. And then, and to just try new things and to just learn constantly. And so I guess my, my question with that is, do you think, um, there's a, what kind of people, I guess, does it, does it take to, to be in this line of work and what kind of people have you met along the way that you're like, yeah, the, these are really tough roles and no, uh, the, the average person would not be able to be in this industry because it is a, it is a difficult industry. We, we often joke around, like if, if, if I just like worked at Allstate, I'd probably been the CEO 10 years ago. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, just from a work ethic standpoint. Just from right? a pure work ethic standpoint. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't write that joke. Uh, I, I heard that joke and I yeah. thought, like, yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. Um, you know, so on that note, like, so I, I wasn't able to go to college, uh, but I was like dead set on going to college. And yeah. I, all my friends were going to college. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to be the guy changing their oil when they come back. Like I'm, mm. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. So I literally went to the library because again, this is before the internet. I went to the library every single day for three hours minimum and just wow. picked a book, opened it up, read it, uh, articles, magazines, um, whatever I can get my hands on. And not just about filmmaking. I, I mean, there was actually those resources were very limited, especially, uh, you know, in Elsa, Illinois. Um, and a shout out to the Elsa Marina Park Library and Mrs. Nominson and all the the reference librarians there who like kept me like moving. And yeah. um, I learned what an autodidact was from uh, um, one of the librarians there. She's like, oh, you're like a uh, little autodidact. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna that look mean? that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, but that that craving for learning that that yeah. what my favorite part, like if you were to ask me when I was 17 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have just started with architect, airplane pilot, baker. You know, I I just can go down the list. I could have been mm-hmm. any of those things. I I I'm fascinated by every single one of them, and that is like one of the 
true gifts of this industry is that you get to dive in t- in depth to almost every business or every yeah. profession and see what they do in the way they present themselves and how yeah. and how they do it. I've I've filmed yeah, conferences so commercial about market specifically yeah. gastro like gastrointestinal professionals mm-hmm. and you know like yeah what whatever it is uh there's something fascinating about it to me yeah and um so i i, I really do enjoy that part of our of our business and that's kind of what makes me still go with it because i was like what am i gonna learn tomorrow and yeah i'm always gonna learn something it's always new so yeah 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 and i i there's also something just in the mindset you know, uh, that's that's an impressive story, by the way, sitting in a library for three, three hours and just diving in. Well, and then I would go visit my friends who were going to school on Wednesdays so I could sit in on their classes on Thursdays and Friday, like audit them, whatever. But mm. I was basically just like, I'm getting my education for free. Ha <laughs> ha, suckers. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, they got. Well, let me clarify. Some of them got the piece of paper. Most of them did not because college is was expensive for them as well, more challenging for them as well. And they were like, I'm just going to become a fireman anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, a very noble and fine, you know, and but I, yeah. I wasn't drawn to that. And, and I and I also didn't have the connections to become a fireman or a paramedic or a cop. Like my dad worked at CTA and he wanted me to work at CTA like my grandfather did and and all his uncles did and um, chicago transit authority yeah, yeah yeah my dad started there when he was 18 like sweeping out buses and then retired from there when he was like 47 years old or something after 20 years gotten a pension can you imagine i'm just like my dad yeah. is pretty smart <laughs> 45 <laughs> yeah yeah he retired at like i think like 47 48 years old and then you know had his whole life to figure out what he wanted to do next yeah. and i'm like oh man. yeah but i mean you're getting to figure out different aspects of life throughout like this whole process whether it's commercial or film stuff yeah you know it's like living multiple lives almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and doing it from rockford too yeah. which is like a whole nother obstacle i mean chicago was tough because it was a small market at the time, and we mostly just did movies when I started. So there was it was like a movie from out of town would come through town. Mm. A handful of people would all be competing for that job, um, and then the job would go away. Yeah. Uh, we did not have TV uh, shows like we do now. Uh, thanks, oh, really? Dick Wolf. Oh, okay, no. Well. Yeah, there were... Something with a past mayor or something didn't like tv or something like that wasn't there yeah well there was a lot of obstacles it was mostly i think the the illinois tax incentive yeah finally kind of like cracked the code uh Mm. in the 90s and when i first came into the business our major competitor was canada uh so productions from um california you know if you had a million dollars to make a thing here in the united states well if you go to canada you have 1.7 million dollars because oh, of wow. the exchange rate for the yeah. dollar. Yeah. And then, you know, a grip in Canada works for $17 an hour versus 35 or whatever. So yeah. uh, Canada was our big um, competitor, and everybody was focused on that. So then we they started with the tax incentives to try to lure that money back into the United States. And then it became competitive among states. So uh, some early adopters mm-hmm. were getting Atlanta, uh, yeah. yeah, Georgia, and uh, many many states played with the idea. Illinois 
really dialed it in and thank you legislators for listening to us because this business does pump a lot of outside money into the state. And that's the thing. Like if we all just regurgitate the same $10, fine, you know, that's great. It stays in the state. But what you are looking for is injection. Sure. Mm -hmm. And movies and TV shows, they don't really have an accounts uh, receivable department. They just have an accounts payable. So someone's coming in with $10 million and they're going to leave with none of it. It's all just going to stay here. That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so hotels, caterers, taxis, you name it. Um, Not just the labor. Rockford Area of Convention Visitors Bureau. I hope you're listening right now. (laughs) I just had a dinner with them last night. Really? You know, I have a great idea for a campaign for Rockford. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah. I'll save it. I'm I'm going to NDA that one. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I do have a great idea. Okay. Uh, come talk to me. Uh, so anyway, but Chicago's yeah. always been a big commercial market, right? I mean, Leo Burnett, all the advertising stuff. Just... Yes, and and it's funny. I didn't even know that really until mm-hmm. um, later in my career, after doing movies for you know five six years, I finally got it like introduced to the commercial world, which was a very separate world at that at that time. Um, it still kind of is now, but. Uh, yeah, then I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." And you know, it's 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 a little it's very different. It's not fiction. It's not it's always a sunny, bright sunny day. Uh yeah. you're not really using moody gels or um everything is like sunshine. Uh which is fine and great and that's what they need and that's how they sell their products and um you know, but it's also very controlled because it has to be you got 900 frames, right? So you, you got 30 seconds each frame is valuable and the the craft of that is very different than a movie where you maybe do two three takes sure. you know mm-hmm. um move on and yeah mood lighting um commercials is like mm, yay mm. yum yeah. Great. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one, re- one reaction. <laughs> yeah. And then when you when you can do comedy, I well, I've always been attracted to the com- comedy and I so comedic advertising stuff? Comedic, or, yeah, yeah. Com- well, or, co- comedy, but comedic advertising specifically yeah. cuz it's such a tight window and that's sure. ex- a perfect formula for comedy. Comedy has to hit the beats yeah. now. And uh so some uh, so here I am, I'm 20 well at that time i was like 27 the chicago the chicago market was there was a writer strike there was an actor strike everyone's out of work i meet this girl she's beautiful she lives in rockford i follow her here and then i turn on the tv and i see like oh this is not chicago anymore we're not watching like Chicago commercials. We're watching Rockford commercials, mm. which were probably great at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like well, surely I could do better than that. Uh, <laughs> and I was I was interested in advertising, and I was reading uh, an article uh, written by Leo Burnett, who said, you know, if you want to learn advertising, kid, go down to the corner, knock on the business's door, and tell them you want to do their advertising. And sh- pretty quickly, you'll learn everything you need to know about advertising. Mm-hmm. I was like, great advice. Who's on my corner? Al Grace Appliance. I literally... Do exactly that. I go to the El Grace Appliance. I walk in the front door. I say, who's in charge? 
take me to your leader. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I said, hey, I live down the street. I do this. I'd love to help you make better commercials than the ones that you're doing now. Is there a place we can see this commercial? Yes, there is. Is there? So I have a YouTube. uh, It's it's either Film Rockford, because that's what I kind of called myself back then, or it might be Tommy C. T O M M Y S E E. I'll have to look that up. To be honest with you, I don't really remember. Kiko's going to see if he can find it here. We yeah. can. If you, find I'd be it, happy Kiko, to send you some links to show you some of my early work here in Rockford. How? So how do you, how did you convince the? Um, because at that time, like a video was just a video. I feel like the the quality, like even now, some people disconnect. Like uh, why that is important. What was your process of convincing? So truthfully, this was at the brink. The like Adobe Premiere six point five. Okay, like, you can buy a computer for you know at that time like two thousand dollars, which was pretty expensive, and you had to have a really fast graphics card. But then you could, and like someone gave me a copy of like the CD with Same. the yeah, completely legal copy that there. we you know, purchased at <laughs> yes. full price. And, yeah. and truthfully, I did. We just I, lost our fill. We light. did lose our fill light. Mm, Should have mm-hmm. put that in. Cut. <laughs> yeah, another. <laughs> it's gonna be darker from here on out. Sorry. Continue. Um, uh, repeat the question again. I'm sorry. Um, what was the? Uh, how how like how do you convince someone? Um, even at that time, like why why does that matter? Well, it, and matter? they had no money. So basically, the the TV stations were doing it for free. So they would come and produce your commercial for nothing, but you're buying like sixty thousand dollars worth of ad time throughout the year. So. Uh, and then there was there's kind of like uh, Hills Marketing, Monica. Thank you too. Oh, You're yeah. a big um, early uh, believer in uh, in me, and she helped convince them that maybe this kid was worth a shot. We had a meeting, you know, and we talked about ideas. And I said, "Well, what about this? What about this?" And we all just kind of jived. Uh, okay, okay. The, the, they got my sense of humor. I got theirs. Yeah. And um, so we we just started with like well and then what's the budget and then i was like uh i don't know looks like kiko might have found something here can you can you put that on the preview monitor oh okay uh so do the al grace appliance peanut sale with uh boy i should send you some links please edit all this boring stuff out <laughs> that's not on the screen yet Oh, oh this fun. is Lonnie's car. Uh, yeah, that's a great one, actually. So, you we can show this one. So, this is one I wrote and directed for Lonnie's, and now and that's Jeff Schroeder, and he's another fantastic Rockfordian. Uh, me and him were co- collaborators early in the day, and he was always like the act. If you see, if you look at the body of okay, work, we can we hear it? Can we get sound? On I want this. I know. I want it too. <clears throat> yeah, this is a really. Nice rug. Would you like to take it home? Yeah. Yeah, we love it. We'll take it. For sure. Area rugs now 40% (laughs) off at Lonnie's Carpet Max. It's a, what That's year a little was suggestive, Tom. I don't. Yeah. Uh, oh, all of them are suggestive. If you can find, uh, if you can find the one, uh, yes, we 100% embrace that. Uh, Al Grace Appliance HDED. Let's see. Anyway. you know, we would sit down, and of course, like I was barely making any money. Uh, they were, it was, uh, there's the El Grace Appliance peanut sale. That was, this was probably my first paid gig. It's the El Grace 
Lisa Plant's peanut sale, and we're going nuts. Get a refrigerator, range, and dishwasher set for just $12.99. Plus, get an over-the-range microwave free. That is nuts. Um, Al, peanuts are not technically nuts. They're legumes. La what? Legumes. It's the Alagresa Appliance peanut sale, and we're going lagoon. That's legume. Legumi. Lagoon? What rights with lagoon? Lagunas? Alagresa, appliances, and other neat stuff. Are you sure they're not nuts? <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> <laughs> what year was That's that? That's pretty great. 2007, okay. 2006. Uh, yeah. Wow. And, you know, so that was so they had that idea already and we just kind of worked it out a little bit and we filmed in um, my studio space, which was downtown Rockford above Rad, currently Rad. Now. I just ran into Jared last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Long time. First neighbor in Rockford, really. Um, so, yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, so I had the loft space upstairs and uh, we filmed that in the You in wrote the, it too? In the or? room. Yeah, well, they had that idea pretty sketched out, so okay, okay. it was more of like a, can you execute this? Yeah, and okay. you know, we worked on some of the things. But the funny thing that everyone remembers about that is, it sounds like he's saying penis. Sale. That's ex that's yeah. exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> and so everyone loved it. And their their tagline was already El Grace Appliance Appliances and other niche stuff, which is a play on sh you know other niche shit. Uh, oh, okay, so okay. they were very already in the blue. Edgy, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah edgy, uh, nice. Now, uh, if you can find the one that is um, HDED. Uh, Al Grace Appliance HDED. This was like, so this was kind of my second one, but this is the one completely written and developed by me. And, um, and uh, I'm very proud of it. Although, you know, again, the quality doesn't hold up because we, so we were filming, I think we, Corbin, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna have to call you out on this one, but Corbin Tyson and I became uh, friends. I, I kind of reached out or being He's a new guy, guy in town, I didn't know anybody. And I was like, these guys are doing video. Maybe I can yeah. figure out what's going on here. And I met Corbin at Heartland. And um, we, of course, hit it off fantastically. And uh, he was like, he would hire, he was already doing things for like Ingratia and um, I can't remember if you other one, the furniture store. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he had a couple clients and he had an opportunity and he, you know, he hired me on and I helped him out with lighting. And, uh, but we would borrow the camera because, of course, cameras were expensive. I didn't have money. And he would, we would borrow the camera from the church on the weekends and go film these things for like El Grey. Now he mm -hmm. had permission. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. He, it was, it was okay. Um, but then I think that's how we filmed uh, the Al Gray stuff too. Was like Corbin kind of borrowed the camera. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Set what, it kind, up. what camera? You got to do. What what you camera do. Was it the HVX one hundred. Oh yeah. The wow. Camera. It's like a skater. Cam. Just totally changed <laughs> the world. Uh, it had. Okay, so here's Is this a, it here? HDED. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're ready. It can be frustrating. Norman's confidence was lacking. We were both losing interest, and he started putting in more time at work. There were a lot of excuses. I was running from the problem. Then we visited our HD expert at Al Grace Appliance and the embarrassment and discomfort went away instantly. Thanks to Al Grace, watching TV together is enjoyable again. We're like kids again. Some nights we can watch for hours. And hours. Al Grace Appliance, HD TVs <laughs> and other niche stuff. Do you have anything bigger? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, t 
tip our hats to L. Grace for taking risks. Right? Yeah, I mean, they yeah. all they love it. And literally, he called me back a couple of weeks later and said, "Thanks to your commercial, uh, HDTV sales are up like seven hundred percent in the store." Wow. And I'm like, "What?" And he's and like, "You're like, what's my you commission want to do another on one? That? Yeah, <laughs> you want That's to do awesome another to one." Yeah, so it 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 does work. Now they also get a lot of calls, and same with Lonnie's, like. The Lonnie's and Al Grace were both under the Hills marketing umbrella and they would get calls to the TV station like, I can't show that on TV. And they uh. loved those calls because they, they're like, <laughs> people are watching them. Yeah. People are seeing them. Yeah. So they weren't uh, they weren't offended by people who were offended, which oh, that's I, I thought. Was Can great. I tell you a quick story about another local brand or former Alpine Bank? We, oh, we yeah. did their ads for a little while. But the uh, there was one ad we shot that was... Uh, you probably didn't see it because it aired for such a short period of time. But <laughs> the concept was like these: this couple sits down at a fancy restaurant, and there's like a sommelier sort of character, like a wine, you know, expert sort of character that comes in, and he's holding a bottle of aged milk, and they <laughs> pour it out, and it's chunky. And the the like the marketing team thought it was hilarious. We thought it was hilarious. I think the actors kind of you know they killed it, yeah. um, but they put it out in the air for I don't know, it's maybe two weeks, and then they. For some reason, it just people did not like it. Like, oh, stop playing that during dinner hour, you know. And and, oh. and they just and then I guess there was some milk association or something that banked at Alpine Bank, and they're like, "You take this off your air, or we're like taking our money somewhere else." Oh, <laughs> so wow. it was like, but they, they did not take a take a risk. They decided to take it down, and go back to another ad that we'd filmed previously, and and I found out interesting a couple months later that they were fixing to sell the bank you know which, uh-huh, they, did. which they did yeah so i don't want to take any risks but <laughs> wow <laughs> that's crazy now do you do do you still do um advertising like are you producing i know you do commercial stuff as uh, like a day player right but yes yes uh well so not um not recently no not okay. not for a while however i am still very attracted to the idea of it and uh, would yeah. do it i would do it um, but I found that just, you know, here locally, the market, again, I was young, I was dumb. I needed the money. Yeah. I didn't really make any money. I mean, and so this is kind of how second city started because every time I was filming a commercial, I needed a light, I needed a C stand, mm-hmm. I needed a sandbag, I needed an apple box, I needed a stinger. So I would have to run to Chicago to kind of yeah, get a couple no one things, in town stuff. right? No one in town had yeah. that stuff. So that's kind of how the collection began. Every time I did a job, I'd buy another tool. Um, mm-hmm. And over time, it grew. <laughs> My first truck was like a Dodge Ram 50, literally like one size bigger than a go kart. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> a Dodge Ram 50. A Dodge Ram sure 50. It's, it's super yeah. small, super small. It uh, like similar to a Ranger. I would like say, a, uh, yeah, probably like three quarters of a Ranger. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was small. Wow. Uh, but, you know, I put all my money in it. And it had the cool thing, it had a cover over the top of it. Like, uh, it's like back. a pickup. Yeah, it's a pickup. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. And I finally one day maxed that thing out with all the gear I had. And I was <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I can't. So that was, um, which then I grew into another Bigger, crappier truck, and okay, uh, he's gonna pull it up here for us. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, a, a, oh, that's a that's a Datsun. It's a pretty close to that. Yeah, is that? Oh, that is a Ram. Yeah, that was okay, it. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was white though. Yeah, 
But I mean, uh, we've all been there. Where it's just like I used to put everything in like um, a gold, um, like small SUV, and it was just like the everything was gold? filled up. Like it was gold. Plated, yeah, it was. It was gold, gold, actual gold. <laughs> but like you couldn't see out any windows, and I'd be driving for two hours to Minneapolis, <laughs> yeah. just not safe. No. Um, yeah, one of the things that I wanted to um, pick your brain on is like a lot of the some of the roles that you're into. It's like you have to be a technician and an artist yeah. at the same time. Arts and sciences. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what Joe was saying yeah. earlier. So how do you, um, number one, how do you kind of balance that? Because be, I know, you seem like a very creative guy. So as creatives, we need that, that kind of outlet, that channel. Um, do you find something outside of like the technician jobs um, that you do or does it kind of or do you find avenues to do that in your uh, regular roles? So uh, be, the equipment is technical and yes, you you are a problem solver and uh, kind of a magician of where to tap. But um, the creativity is can be applied to all aspects of life. I mean, from the way you comb your hair to, you know, even how you drive, I can find a creative. So one of the greatest things that can foster creativity are limitations, hmm. budget and time. And when you, when you're giving, given at least like, these are the constraints, just like a 30 second commercial, you got 30 seconds. This is, you have to not only make a funny ad, but it has to sell something and it has to relate to the brand that you are selling. So the Al Grace Appliance commercials hit all of those things. It sold you something, it was funny, and you knew exactly where to go to, to get it. Mm -hmm. So, and the, and it wasn't just funny. Like there's AT&T commercials and Geico commercials and Liberty Mutual commercials where they're funny. I couldn't tell you what the brand was or what they were selling, you know? Yeah. So Did even at the multi-million dollar level of paying a, a team of brilliant creatives to, yeah. to make a commercial for you, and we'll see this on the Super Bowl, you'll see some hilariously genius comic ads and you won't know what the hell they they're selling, selling you. Yeah. Or, and come the next day, I'll ask you, remember, the, did you see that ad for AT&T? You're like, huh? And if I see that puffy coat, one I'm ever again. I mean, anyway, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I feel like that's really the challenge is giving. You have to have parameters. And so as an equipment owner, I get this question all the time. I get some young filmmaker who has no money and has this idea, and they're like, "Can you please donate, you know, your truck to me or whatever?" And my answer is always no. And the reason is, I would hate to deny you the true experience of being a director or a producer by giving this to you for free. Because if you don't have the constraints of time and you don't have the constraints of money and you don't have the constraints of the crew and the resources that you're dealt, then you're never going to be creative because you're never going to have the pressure to force yourself into making a compromise or a creative compromise. Yeah. And it, believe me, at all levels, even if you have a yeah. billion dollars, there's creative compromises. Yeah. I was gonna, gonna just mention that too. Like, I mean, I, I used to listen to a lot of like different producers on talking because I thought I was gonna be a producer, and, and uh, it was interesting to me how even at the highest levels they're always talking about the budget constraints. It's like, well, we're gonna shoot this scene this way, but 
because of the budget we did this or you know because mm-hmm. of the budget and it's yeah it's like they're working on multi-million dollar movies that's that never goes away so yeah you, you got to work within whatever the constraints are you have yeah that's a, good, that's a good point yeah and and be grateful for the constraints because at least you know what they are now uh the worst is like when you don't know what they are and you're sure. just like ah what we let's get morgan freeman to you know <laughs> yeah to um, come in on a techno crane well, right. for no reason <laughs> for no reason right <laughs> yeah uh but i i do believe that those are what creates and and even, and even as a gaffer even as a key grip those same those same constraints create creativity hmm. and you'll create you'll do something you've never done before and you'll be like oh that was awesome talking i mean when you were saying like being like any role can be creative in a way i remember this political ad we were working on and we had one of the i think it was a two by three diffusion of some sort that was noisy so it's like a roscoe or whatever and uh, and I, I knew it was a problem but like well that's the diffusion tom watt and what should i do and then you show me this trick where you uh put like a we grabbed like a plastic cup from Crafty and then put a bungee cord over like from each side of the frame and had the, the cup on there that created just enough pressure on it that it stopped stopped the noise in the yep. breeze. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm yeah. Like, that's, and I that's learned that from creative. Joe G. Thanks, yeah. Joe G. <laughs> I saw that trick on Instagram actually. I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's a great thing too, is like you you kind of are gifted every job and everybody you work with like a tool from their toolbox Mm. yeah and i i one of the greatest things about being a filmmaker from chicago is all these big movies would come to town and they would you know they could bring their gaffer and they could bring their key grip but they couldn't bring every grip and they couldn't Mm -hmm. bring every camera assistant so when a big movie like comes through town here i am all of a sudden i'm the second ac uh and i'm standing this close to Steven Soderbergh and Matt Damon and listening to them explain, you know, do their work and I can absorb and just go, wow. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, a new movie comes through town and two, you know, other huge players come through town and I'm like, and now I'm absorbing their tricks and their toolboxes. Um, that's some, those are the things that like you can't, like you can't pay for that experience. You know, I got paid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you right. Exactly. To learn. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's another but, but, great but scam is... I pulled off throughout <laughs> life was that I didn't pay for college. I got my me. very. I got paid for every job, and then yeah. I passed that on by training and teaching new people yeah. the same way by yeah. giving them a paycheck. Uh, without you know, we always joke like we meet the kids from Columbia all the time or DePaul, and it's like, <laughs> well, you're giving them fifty grand. Why don't you just give me forty five? You'll I'll save you five grand and you'll be making 60. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I first, I, well, I was think it was like 18, 17. I drove to Grand Rapids, Michigan from Minneapolis area. I slept in my car for like eight days straight just to be like on set because I, I was like, I need to get this experience of like being there and seeing it and feeling it. Like those are the like you can't you can't oh, you yeah. can't buy that that and that's my yeah my stomach gets all excited and yeah i i'll never forget the first time i so on um another job i did early in my career uh, locations pa career uh for the kind of the same team was um the untouchables the tv show and i'll never forget the first time you walk on set and you see all the costumes and all the mm-hmm. all and the lighting and you're just like yeah. wow what is that and they're like bouncing it into um a beadboard and you're like 
That blows my mind. <laughs> and you're, I and, think I saw that at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> and but just like the excitement and the true adrenaline rush, and like you didn't want to miss it. You wanted to be there and just to see it or just to experience it. And like, yeah, yeah. that that yeah. S- still doesn't go away. I I felt that's, that yesterday. You know, that's that's awesome because you know, uh, on that first uh, film that I was I was seventeen, eighteen, uh, drove whatever twelve, fourteen hours, slept in the car. And the first or second day I show up to set, and I was just an extra, and then I asked if I could stick around. The producer was like, yeah, stick around. Got to be second AC, actually, weirdly enough, like four days later, which wow. was a weird story. <laughs> but here I'm learning everything. But you know what? The <laughs> I remember I didn't know what anything was. I'm walking on set, and I'm seeing lights. I'm seeing floppies covering windows, you know, all this new gear. And <laughs> the G&E team is sitting out on their truck. And I'm like, I'm excited, you know, enthusiastic. And they just look like they've been through war. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they said something to me that was like never left my mind. They're like, uh, basically, um, they're like, go do something else. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to like, if you want to have yeah. a good life, go do something else. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I thought everyone who was in the film industry just wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like. This the mindset was so strange to me because I'm like, give me any opportunity. I'll, there I'll are like, a lot of kind of crusty old grips, right? Of so, and I'm like, and are. that's where I uh, I'm like interested in your because I've seen those people, and that stays with me forever. Because I'm like, if I'm ever at that point, I'm like, go do something else. Um, what is it that like keeps you going and gets your this drive because you have such a passion and fire for it, and you're doing so many different things. So, what is it that like about this industry and, and line of work that I'm literally so too old to do anything else now. I'm I'm unemployable <laughs> in any other industry. I couldn't even like yeah. But you just you have a you seem to have a fire for it too. Well, thank you. you know? Thank you. I it's, it's I feel inspiring. like I do. Yeah. yeah. And especially after 33 years, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I I literally haven't had another another job in 33 mm. years. And uh, wow. something you said bro. Uh here uh, you said something about being an extra and i have a great yeah. story maybe we can end on this great story i know we're already at an hour can you believe that so quick. we did have a little break in we it. did have oh, a break oh we have a little break so are you good on time <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, oh, okay. I'm, I'm totally good but this is a this is my one of my favorite stories i was uh 18 so the movie judgment night we filmed in chicago for two and a half months roughly and then uh the production moved to back to Los Angeles to finish the show. And uh, I kind of begged and pleaded to say, can you take me with you? And uh, Ira was like, listen, you can, you can come and finish the movie and we'll I maybe give you a job on security or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, he had that whole thing already figured out. And, um, you know, you'll have to pay for yourself to get there. And I'm like, all right, fine. I don't care. I'm going. So I pack up my belongings i get into a, my car and i drive across the country which everybody should wow. do by the way yeah everyone should I've do that a, a, my favorite thing to do honestly <clears throat> and so it's christmas break uh the movie like is on a hiatus because it's like december and okay. uh so and they'll pick up again in january after the new year's so i get to la i find an apartment i have a roommate and i'm now i'm like now what do i do right i'm sitting around <laughs> i got nothing to do so <laughs> I'm sitting there at home at like 10 o'clock in the morning watching TV and uh, the movie Beethoven 
comes on. The and dog? The dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ivan Reitman movie. And so I'm watching the movie and then I'm like watching the credits. I think this is a unique thing that everyone in our industry does. We actually watch the credits. I like try to. I always sit there and watch them. Um, and I see uh, executive producer Gordon Webb. And then I see uh, extras casting, central casting. I'm like, oh, I should go become an extra for a week or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So I get out the yellow pages. If you're not familiar, it's a big book. It's the <laughs> Google in print. Uh, and I uh, flip to, you know, I'm in Los Angeles. So, you know, I find central casting. They're in Burbank. I call them up. And I say, hey, um, you know, I'm a friend of uh, Gordon Webb's. I'm in town for a couple weeks. And uh, he said I should come down there and maybe get some extra work. Oh, yeah. Can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. Uh, can you be here at 730? Yeah, no problem. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the next day comes. I get up nice and early, take a shower, drive down to Burbank. And I arrive uh, at the address. It's a very plain-looking uh, office building, and uh, they tell me, you know, come to the first door. Okay, so I get up the elevator. I open the hallway, and there's two doors, and there's two lines of people. One line of people at the first door and another line of people at the second door, and everyone in that line is holding a Christmas present. And I'm like... Okay, you know, this is weird. And then I look at my clock, you know, it's 7.30, nothing's happening. 7.35, nothing's happening. And I'm like, they told me to be here at 7.30. So I go and I just knock on the door and everyone was like shocked, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, they told me to be here at 7.30. <laughs> they op a lady opens the door and is like, can I help you? I'm like, hey, I'm Tom. Uh, you guys told me to be here at 7.30. They're like, oh. Gordon's friend, right? Yeah, come on in. Come on. We wanted to get you in before the crowd. <laughs> so, hey, wait, so did you know Gordon? Yeah. Or that's was this just never met Gordon <laughs> in my life? This is the mindset I was talking about, Tom. <laughs> this is this is the mindset of an adventurer. <laughs> so they uh so if you ever never signed up to be an extra, there's a lot of paperwork. Uh, there's a whole form like can you roller skate? Do you play football? Do you yeah. ice skate? Will you be naked? Blah blah blah. I fill all that out and I give the lady the the clipboard back and she takes a red pen and writes something on the top and she puts it down. She says, I'll be right back. Stay right here. She goes next door and I kind of peek over at it and it says, friend of Gordon Webb, star, circle, red ink, right? I'm like, <laughs> okay, this, this is my start. Let's, let's let this roll. <laughs> she goes and gets Carl Joy, who's the head of central casting. He takes me and personally introduces me to every single agent. Now, so th this wall is like tables and chairs and blackboard. This other room is like agents at cubicles with piles and piles of headshots and resumes. Wow. And they're on headsets. And now the office is open, right? It's like 8 o'clock now. And everyone in that other line with holding Christmas presents were there to kind of like visit the agents, re-update their headshot butter the bread with a little bit of Christmas yeah. joy. And and basically there's a whole system about this. So like on on Mondays, like people with the letters A through L can come. And on Wednesdays, people with a letter K through Z or whatever. Yeah. Um so uh so everyone this is a routine. Everyone does this and you just kind of come through, pass off your new resume, say hello, get the hell out of there. Yeah. 
And these agents are busy. They're on the phone. People are calling them. We need 12 extra for tomorrow. Can they be here? And blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. And um, then on top of that, they have these people coming around like, hey, remember me? It's Mandy. Hey, here's some banana bread. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I got Carl Joy just like, get out of our way. This is Tom. <laughs> he, he is here finally to save our industry with his beautiful face. Put him in everything. <laughs> and, and then like Mandy's like, what about my banana bread? He's like, get out of here. Put that on the table. <laughs> So he literally, so graciously, takes me around to every agent, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, like, are you busy Monday? Are you busy Friday? Can you do this one? So for two weeks straight, I was on, like, everything. I was on, like, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was on all the, like, I was being shot at by, tu in a tuxedo from guys in a helicopter at, like, a mob movie. I, uh, I, and the funny, oh, the movie Son-in-Law, I'm in that. And so also, though, I got a word didn't just stay on that piece of paper. Then they would call the first AD or the second AD of the movie and say, hey, we're sending Tom you to like the you. The treatment. And then this is they would always put me in the shot like center, <laughs> like so that my face was clearly seen. Again, I don't we know need to Carl pull Joy, these up. <laughs> but here's so I'm. About 15 years later, I'm telling this story at lunch, and someone goes, oh, my God, I know Gordon Webb. I'm going to, he is going to love this story. <laughs> <laughs> Did you meet Gordon? I never met him. I okay. never met him, but I do know he knows about the story because that story was told to him. I feel like oh, we need to amazing. arrange a meeting here somehow. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little nervous That's now. But, that is amazing. Uh, that How many is... hours did you spend in confessional for this? No. Like, <laughs> yeah. Zero. Dude, you know, <laughs> it's Hollywood, baby. You yeah. got to hustle. It's you like... know, this is, this is a story. Um, it's fitting because, uh, Shameless, you worked on Shameless, yes. yeah. Yep. This is a Frank Gallagher story. This oh. is him going to LA and everything just works out in his favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so okay. So, before I know we're, we're getting close to wrap time, but I wanted to ask you about um, selfishly because I'm interested on your IMDb, you have a, a huge list of uh, films and TV shows, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire. Um, I want to ask you about two. Ocean. Sure. You're working on some of the oceans, right? Ocean oceans 12. Is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a great, that's another great story. This is, this is for clickbait. This story. All yeah. Sure. Together, sure. So. Uh, I want to know about that. Well, I mean, it's not as good as the Gordon Webb story for sure. That was but, hilarious. uh, I, 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 I was very lucky. I, um, Worked for this excellent. Um, he's a camera operator now, Rob Carlson. He uh, he was big time in Hollywood. He was well known uh, as a camera assistant overall, focus puller. This is all film, the film days, uh, and um, he he took me under his wing as a second AC, and that's how I got on these opportunities because other big guys from Los Angeles knew Rob, and if they were going to come to Chicago, sure. they're going to call him, and then whoever he recommends was going to get the job. Okay. And uh, so I am on this movie, Ocean's 12, and I, I really didn't know who Soderbergh was. I mean, I kind of knew, but uh, I wasn't like fanboy or anything yeah. like that. I was just like, oh, it's a job, whatever. Yeah. And oh, my God, I will never forget. I come to work one day and I'm you get the call sheet and you see the, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the scenes that are listed and you see the cast numbers, who's going to be in the scene. And, um, that was a big thing for a second AC cause you had to put marks on the floor for the actors. Mm -hmm. And so every actor needs their own like color tape, 
right? So number one on the call sheet gets red, number two, blue, et cetera. And I'm looking at the call sheet. I'm like, this scene has like 14 people in it. I need 14 rolls of tape, like different colored tapes, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just sitting there going, oh, my God. And then we get to start to block the scene. And I'm looking in the room, and I'm like, okay, Soderbergh, Matt Damon, Carl <laughs> like, uh, Reiner, uh, you know, the... All the big all guys. yeah, Bernie Mac. Uh, I'm just like, what is going on right now? Brad Pitt, George <laughs> what is Clooney. This movie? Wow. <laughs> like, I'm just like, if a if a bomb went off in this room right now, Hollywood would be <laughs> over. Oh. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. This is really crazy. Yeah. And uh, and Soderbergh is such a great director. He's very simple. He's the cameraman. He's very intimately involved oh, in really? everything. Yeah, he's behind the camera. Yeah, it's his camera too, and it's wow. his lenses. And um, interesting. What do they shoot on? Was uh, it, the, it was a red, red one. I want to say really even back mm. then, or red epic. I can't remember exactly. Huh. Maybe it was a red dragon at that time. Um, and uh, yeah, Steve Meisler was the first AC and focus puller, and he now is a great uh, director of photography. Shot the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. And, um, oh, that's a b I love. That yeah, show. and Red even created a whole Meisler Steve Meisler module, which he kind of designed and gave him a bunch of feedback on how to make the camera more useful for camera mm. people. And yeah. do you find it hard to um, not fanboy? Or have you no. been around it now long enough? No, I, I you know, I was trained right, very early on. You know, you, you don't ask for their autographs. Yeah, don't look them right, in right. the eye. You know, working with method actors is a whole, you know, yeah. unique situation. Uh, How so, do you approach that? No, to be honest with you, once you really get going, you realize that we're all just here to do a yeah. job. They're just regular people. I mean, w during um, you know Ocean Twelve, we would sit there with Matt Damon, or uh, that was con Contagion actually, uh, and you know he he liked to sit with the camera guys at lunch because he wanted to talk about cameras and and business. Wow. And he uh, seems like a really cool guy, honestly, like down to earth, super down to earth, yeah. very much, yeah. Definitely a filmmaker's filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> I have a great story about him, too, on Contagion. It was really crazy. Uh, and? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to save that one for another podcast. Right, right, another right? time. Just, I, do, I don't want to It's keep a 20-minute story. Yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do want to know. Okay. Shameless. Yes. And tell me about War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. War of the Worlds is one of my favorite movies. I do like Tom Cruise, but... Like that movie has such an insane just feel to it. Yeah. Like you are in the movie because it, to me it's just like the lighting, the lightning, and the 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 weather is a part of it too yeah. in some of those scenes. Yeah, and that Yanish. movie it was like one of those where I'm like I was just fully in it. Yeah. So oh, you were an AC on it. Yeah, I was like a second AC, second and second. it was the same team. So that did uh, Ocean's Twelve, Contagion, and okay. so those those same guys, Steve Meisler, Tom Jordan, another excellent human being down in Atlanta. Um, those guys were Soderbergh's guys and Spielberg's guys. And so it just so happened like Soderbergh did a movie, then Spielberg did. So they would just jump. Okay, okay. Soderbergh, Spielberg, Soderbergh, Spielberg, and um, and you know, whenever they came to Chicago, because I was in their um, network of good graces, they would give me a call. So when I found out about War of the Worlds, I kind of begged them, like, mm. "Can I come and help you guys? I'll do whatever." And it was yeah. kind of the same deal. You can fly yourself there, and you can 
you can stay in my hotel yeah. and we'll get you on set for a few days. You can help us yeah. out. Um, so, uh, the, that now the move, the original, see, I grew up with the original war of the worlds. That was okay. like I've the 1960s version of it. And I'm telling you before, you know, the magic of Hollywood, learning the tricks of Hollywood does ruin movies for you. I yeah. Gotta be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, like I remember those aliens and the smoke and they're trying mm. to like not be detected by being silent. And the, like the face comes right up to them and yeah. smells them. And like, you know, like it was like predator meets like yeah. it was all the things. And what a great ending too, just like the most amazing ending, which is like, sorry, Aztecs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so did they shoot the whole movie in Chicago? No, uh, that was uh, just New Jersey uh, okay. in New York. So I was only there for a brief spell. Okay, okay. It was about, I'd say two weeks in okay. my recollection, but it was all the kind of outdoor stuff in the, um, when the aliens first attack the small downtown area and oh, cars go flying, that's one. Of, that's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it was intense. Be, and let me tell you, those guys, the special effects crews, and how they make all that magic happen yeah. is so fascinating, so interesting, oh, sure. so physics and cables and magic. Yeah, uh, and you know, fake roads like where you yeah. know. And that's like classic Spielberg storytelling too. Just like him running to his house and like I, I like those sequences and just the the feeling that he gives you is like that will be with me probably forever. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I'm sure true. he was a big fan of the the original movie too because that was like true. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got. I should watch. Original. I should yeah, watch that. It's so good. Yeah, and because it it is it's 1960s special effects, so it's like is that a hubcap? Like it, it was basically like a street lamp <laughs> tied to a hubcap, yeah. and then they yeah. put a flashing light in it, and it was yeah. so ominous and scary. And yeah. you were just like, "Oh my god!" Okay, uh, okay. Now tell me about Shameless, and this is this is just purely for me. It's selfish and for clickbait because I Shameless is a show that I have uh, probably within the last year have gotten into, and it oh, was okay. so hard to uh, like. It's kind of hard to watch when you first start it. Because it's too real. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've always been fascinated. Number, I would love to, I mean, just the 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 writers and, and the director, how how to get that. Uh, it makes you feel like you're right in it, like you're with the Gallaghers. Yeah. It's such a it's such a well done show. So what what was what was your job on that? Okay. So again, I think on. So I was there for the pilot, uh, which was, I was a second AC. I want to say at that time. Um, wow. Right from and, the get-go. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you work on a lot. In this business, you work on a lot of things. Barely mm -hmm. ever do you, like, write home and go, oh, wait till you see this. Uh, on day one, we're filming just, like, kind of the opening credits, just like uh, William F. Macy, like, kind of morphing into this character and the things he's doing. And you get a couple takes in, and I'm like, this is different. This is wild. Like, yeah what are we, this is going to be good, you know, which I would almost never say, like, yeah. I've never felt that way, really. Uh, I'm like, this is going to be pretty good. They're on to something. They're on to something. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, it is, it is a, it was already a, sh a series in Britain. So oh, was it? Yeah, there's a shameless, there's another non-US shameless. Okay. So they, it is an adaptation or like kind of the office yeah, yeah, yeah. The American yeah. Office version, but yeah. yeah, again, probably better. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But um, yeah, that and and so they you know they only come to Chicago. Uh, so this is a really complicated part of the filmmaking process. This is, is what I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah, they only shoot the stuff outside in Chicago. Everything that's shot indoors is shot in L.A. Oh. So they film for like wow. three months in L.A. and then they Start come to Chicago for somewhere. two weeks and try to get all the pieces from three or four episodes that they need to. And that's on location. That. And it's all on location. It's not wardrobe changes, director changes, wow, what slate a thing changes. To I mean, huh? and so you shoot this one scene, and then boom, you're into a whole nother episode, maybe yeah. with the same characters. Maybe you know it, it, the complications, the logistical complications, is mind blowing. And a great AD team and uh, yeah. producer team has yeah. to figure all that stuff out and schedule everything because you you know you maybe you need. And then we would have two units going. So one unit's over here filming this, another unit's over here filming this. Wow. Well, maybe this unit needs this actor to finish this scene. So now we have to get this actor over here, get him in the right wardrobe, get yeah. him in the right lines, all that stuff. So why not bring, why not just shoot it in Chicago? What, what this are is some Chicago's of the... biggest problem, honestly, is uh, everyone lives in L.A. And everyone mm. wants to live in L.A. Yeah, and we just said we're doing a commercial uh, soon, and that's one of our issues, too, is like, People in LA, and yep. then we got to bring them out here. So, yep. but that's 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 it. The, the actors don't want to come out. Yeah, they have lives. Here. They have kids. They sure. have families. They have uh, agents and people. Okay. So when you're working on a movie, you're there for yeah. And the TV show is like yeah, nine months a year. So oh, sure, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, just yeah. too much to ask. Yeah. Um, okay. But we had a system, and it went on for 11, 11 seasons. I didn't do every single time that they come to town. Uh, you you know, our schedules are just as complex as theirs, so yeah. maybe you're available, maybe you're not. Maybe someone else is available that they want to work with this time. You know, there's yeah. all these other factors. But, uh, yeah, I, I did work on it several times over the years, and recently in the last season I got I was uh, asked to do Steadicam and camera operate. Mm, and nice. um I'll it be was, watching. I'm, really I'm getting close to the last season, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. see if it's any different than yeah. that. <laughs> be sure to watch for the credits as it blinks past yeah. your face. <laughs> I'm going to send you a text. <laughs> I don't think I am credited, honestly. Uh, okay. Oh, man. Tom, I have so many questions yeah, and yeah. so many things that we could go into. Uh, give me a quick rundown. Uncredited Chico's giving uncredited. us a signal that we need to wrap this up. But okay. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. going to fuck Knuckles. <laughs> uh, we do have between... another podcast coming after this. So that's, oh, uh, do we? Oh, shoot. Um, oh. oh, difference between credited and uncredited. You know, uh, as long as the paycheck comes, that's all I really care for. Uh, this is great advice passed on to me, too. Just remember, it's show business. Yeah. Everyone on the top, especially, is treating it like a business, and so should you. So you should act professionally. Uh, but ultimately, in the end, uh, it's about getting that uh, paycheck. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you're investing your time and your talents that you've crafted over the years uh, to help them achieve their goal, and that needs to be compensated. And rightfully so. Uh, it's a super hard concept for most artists to understand or most creatives to understand is that there is value in your ideas and that in, in, in your t experience. Um, and it's mostly just for your time. It doesn't matter, uh, if you have experience or not, you're being, you're there you're helping your time is worth money. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, yeah, credit. I don't really care to be but, honest. With so you. what? What if you're doing the same job? Why would you not be credited? It's true. It's totally up to them. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's completely. Oh, okay, 100%. Okay. I mean, some people maybe have 
like uh, credit placement in their contracts, like maybe a costume designer or a cinematographer yeah. or um, production designer. Maybe they, they do have stipulations in their deal memo that decides when and where their credits are placed but everyone chief from, craft services pa okay yeah <laughs> yeah interesting yeah and 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 the funny thing is there's been movies where i worked on it for six months and like was there every day and didn't get credit and then there's other jobs where i was literally there for four hours and got credit uh interesting. and so because those decisions are made so far later down the road when you're finally uh, in post who was there that day yeah uh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah okay. So uh, it's up to the discretion of the producers, yeah. ultimately. You know, I th- that first film that I was telling you about, I think I got a second AC credit on that. Cool. I think it was like an intern. I, was like, I let her look, and I was like... Real deal. That's cool. Yeah. 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 You definitely want to... Official. Take a picture of that <laughs> yeah. and tell your family. Um, <laughs> See, last... it's a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> she watches this. <laughs> it's actually kind of cute. Um, you know, uh, last question. And Tom, I want to have you back. Before. I'm going to preface that. There's so many, you're a wealth of knowledge, number one, and so many things that we can dive into more specifically. I know we were talking about that and dive into the science of it all and also the arts of it all. Um, but last question, you, so all of our industry is relationship-based. It's, it's you, you have to keep up with these different people, different areas, and how do you, I mean, I find it hard just in commercial realm, like to have the commercial and film. It's like that, that seems like a daunting task and just to keep on the radar of everyone. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to be needy, you know. So how do you approach that in, in trying to connect with everyone, not be needy, but still touch base and say, hey, I'm here. Do you need anything? Yeah, I, I struggle with that, too. I, I am not good at it. I'll be honest with you. Hmm. Um, I... However, I am thinking about it more and I want to be better at it. And yeah. I do want to develop, you know, number one, just meaningful relationships yes. in my life, yeah. uh, which I feel like, you know, I, I, I am an outsider. I live in Rockford. I don't live in Chicago. These everybody in Chicago kind of gets together even after work. They go hang out and or they have parties or dinner parties. And I I miss out on a lot of that. Um and I know that would be good and better for my career overall. Yeah. But um, that's just not the cards that I, uh, that's not the hand I'm yeah. playing. Um, so I do, I actually, I struggle with that a lot. Um, I, I have the advantage of just being kind of like around for a long time. Like you yeah. said, everybody kind of knows my name. Yeah. Uh, I also kind of carved out a unique kind of niche in the business where I am this kind of one call can do it all um, yeah. equipment supplier uh, yeah put a team together um, and uh, and I feel like that's kind of what I had to do in order to be a rock 40 in in mm-hmm. my life and have this career is I had to kind of carve out this unique niche of like I have tables and chairs and director's chairs and cameras and grip equipment. Yeah. No. Do you need a cooler with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I struggle with that. And, but the truth is we, I think we all do. I, yeah. and I think that, uh, you know, every time I've ever sent out an email or made a, a, a cold call, you know, in the beginning, at the very beginning, it was literally print a resume. And then I went door to door knocking on doors. Luckily everyone's business was kind of in river North. So it was like you could do it in a day by walking. Um, 
and there was an Illinois, there's there still is the Illinois production guide, which is a valuable resource to kind of learn who these people's are people are, who you can contact. Yeah. Um, and everybody's in the same boat. We're all freelancers, so there yeah. is grace and understanding of the the process. And the trick is to do it frequently enough, but not too frequently. Yeah. And yeah. truthfully, it's so much about timing. It really yeah. is. Just yeah, even that yeah. letter that my mom wrote you know, was if that guy didn't have a job literally sitting on his desk and needing somebody to fill it, um, if that letter was a week earlier or a week later, it wouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, and that's just kind of the thing. You have to kind of be okay with that. Uh, and it takes it takes a while to build a, a client list. So at yep. first, maybe, oh, I got one client. Next thing you know, I got two clients. Next thing you know, you got three clients. You keep doing that. And then, oh, this client went away. But yeah. now I got a new, another new client. So there's kind of this ever-evolving ever list. And then hopefully you get it to a point where now you can fill up a year with with the jobs we need. And, yeah. it's and you know, producers, it, like maybe they get a job and it lasts three weeks. Well, a gaffer gets a job and it's only two days. Two, yeah, yeah. So that's the same job. But that a lot more connections yeah. too. So now a gaffer needs, you know, five jobs to fill that same amount of time that that one producer yeah. is able to do. Yeah. So that's trickier. So kind of the 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 more on the production side of things, you you have to have a more robust clientele list. Um, yeah. On the post side or the 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 other side, maybe. Yeah. You only it's need one it's job. I'm I'm kind of relieved to hear that that's a that's still a, a struggle even for you after 33 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things where you're like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody really has really a grasp on it. And I heard somebody on Instagram uh, recently kind of say, talking about business and networking, all that. And it was just like, we are all at some, to some extent, just kids still learning how to do things <laughs> basically it was to yeah. summarize it all. And I just love that. Cause I'm like, yeah, sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, I, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I'm like, this should come easy, but you know, we're all faking it and to it, some extent. Information <laughs> is key. I like, you know, and there are definitely some people who are great at it. They're very aggressive. As yes. soon as they get information of a job coming through, they're going to find out who's in charge yeah. and who to call. Yeah. And then they're going to send their resume. Honestly, my resume is a disc- like, I haven't updated it in 15 years. Yeah, or your we real life. My real <laughs> looks like hell. You I and work- Colin were just talking about that. Oh, my God. Well, and, and I have this saying, like, you know, the shoemaker's children run barefoot. And it's because... <laughs> I love that. They, you, you do it. You're so busy yeah. providing your services for other people, you, you don't have time to do it for yourself. Yeah. And, you, and that is another part of the freelance business is you are your own, you know, accounting department, marketing department, you know, janitorial department, mm-hmm. like 100%. you, you have to do it all. And we're all good at, you know, we all just want to be on set and we all just want to be, you know, pointing the camera and turning on lights. Yeah. But on the real, the re, the reality is that's maybe only 15% of the yeah. job. Yeah. The other 85 is, uh, figuring out how to get that 15%. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great place to wrap. Um, Tom, thank you so much. My like pleasure. I said, we I, I think we'd love to do there's another probably 14 series that we All could right. do with you. Yeah. Um, we're on a time constraint now, but um, hey, I appreciate you sitting down with us. My pleasure. Really My interesting pleasure. to get this uh, insight. So, um, we'll we'll schedule another one soon. Sounds I'd love good. to love to talk more. Go Rockford. Go that's Rockford. Right. We're Rockford. All right, guys.
Thanks so much for watching this episode. Uh, Tom, where, what's your Instagram? Where, where can people find you? So uh, my company is Second Cine, 2NDCINE. Uh, and um, my reel is secura.com, C I C I U R A.com. Again, I apologize. I am working on it. I will get to it maybe in the next 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Beautiful guys. Thanks so much. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye.